<laughs> I'm looking at a lamp right now. There you the are. Microphone is stuck over here. So. I got gotcha. you. That's all right. I can manage. <laughs> That's all I can do. I can do my favorite thing. I'll just switch it so I can look at myself the whole time. I don't need to look at you. Just kidding. Oh. Hi, and welcome to another Music Manument. I'm Tom, and on today's show, we have visiting us again, I think this is his fourth time, uh, Nicholas Burgess. He's from the band Hexmap. He's done solo projects. Anyway, he has a new album that came out in December, and he's here to talk about that. We talk about some of the uh, other things that he's been doing. Always a very fun guy to talk to. So let's start the interview with Nicholas Burgess, starting right now. And, uh, you get a new album that just came out in when, December? Yeah, uh, it came out in the middle of December. Okay. So what was the, uh, I mean, that's, this is several years in between albums. What was, uh, what finally brought on this new one? Oh, I started actually working on it before the previous album was even out. I started doing the demos, um, back then. And I don't know. I just, I, I guess I just wasn't, um, intensively working on it that whole time. It wasn't like four years of hard labor. Uh. I just, uh, <laughs> took my time. Um, and I did, I had most of the demos done. I probably could have had this album out in 2015 if it really buckled down, but I didn't. So, uh, it, it really last year was when I, I, I had it, I'm going to say maybe two thirds of the way there, but you know, I needed to do that last push. And that was what I did last year. Just my goal was to get it out last year. So okay. Technically, it technically it was out last year. Yeah, you just made you made the last you know mile mark right at the you know you, you came in at the, I don't know the sports term for running you know just no, making the I, time limit. I definitely do not know. The sports <laughs> term there, but there is one, and if and if people know what it is, that's the one that I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, what did Good okay? Reference. Well, let's talk to you, talk about the album before that. What happened? Um, or what what did you do previous or? after the release of the album before this, the King of Another Dimension, like what, um, what kind of stuff was happening with that release? Well, we did that. We did, uh, we played some shows to promote it and all that kind of stuff. And I also started around that time. I, um, that was when I did that first Brand Church album. I kind of helped them with that one and helped them mix. And, uh, did you play live yeah. with them during that one too? Uh, I didn't know he is, he plays live sporadically, but mostly just by himself uh, Okay. now, just, uh, solo shows, but I helped him record that and, uh, record percussion on his first album and things like that. And then I was helping him with his second album, doing more of like a full production on that, where I was helping, I recorded everything, uh, you know, helped him arrange things, you know, figure out when he's going to do backup vocals and when he's going to do harmonies and when he's going to do extra percussion, stuff like that, you know, standard producery things and i started getting into doing um uh, music for podcasts and stuff last year too oh really so yeah i was doing uh theme songs and interstitial you know like bumper music stuff like that um so i was trying some different things before i kind of decided i really had to get that album out because it was taking so long yeah how did you get into the uh writing music for podcasts and stuff um, uh, well, the interesting thing is I was, uh, uh, talking to a guy who does a, um, Pokemon podcast whose name is, uh, Steve Black Jr. Okay. And he does a podcast called, uh, it's super effective, which is a Pokemon podcast. And he knew that I did, 
I don't know even how we know. I think I mentioned I used to do radio when I was a teenager. We had a local uh, college radio station. Okay. Sometimes that I'd done radio to him. And radio, radio in what they, manner? Like you were a DJ or you did yeah, production? I was a DJ. Okay. That was a college station. So I'd just go in and do a show for an hour a week. Or gotcha. Whatever. All right. You know, you pick the songs and talk and do all that stuff. And I must mention that. I don't know where he got the, uh, maybe I mentioned that I played music, but it wasn't like a topic of conversation. And he asked me once, oh, well, do you do sound stuff? Like, do, I thought maybe he's going to ask me advice on microphones or something like that. Yeah. And he just asked me if I could do a theme song for him. And hmm. I don't think he'd ever heard my music at that point. So it was a little out of the blue. But uh, no, I did that. I helped him with that. And then I started doing some music for other shows and, I mean, it's still mostly like a side thing, but um, it's fun because, you know, usually there's a little deadline. You have to get this out. Well, the uh, the one thing I'm wondering is, is people who make podcasts. Well, sorry, we must have lost you there for a second. I thought you stopped. <laughs> I thought you stopped talking and I'm like, oh, yeah. wait. <laughs> oh, I, I, I stopped. Must just be a weird connection. Okay. <laughs> the uh, But, you know, with podcasting, people say you're not in it for the money because there isn't any. Um, so how, how are you, were you getting paid for this? Cause I mean, especially uh, a podcaster going, could you do this for me? It's not going to be, could you do this for me? Cause I will pay you tons of money. <laughs> oh, well, no, he was, uh, you know, he's a friend of mine. So we would yeah. be charging him for that anyway. Um, and I've done some other music stuff for him where he's saying like, well, you know, if I do another, um, uh, well, he does like a Patreon and stuff like that. Okay. So he's always trying to think if there's a way, oh, well, you know, on this next thing here, if I can cut you in for this thing. But it's not like, a, oh, here's X dollars for per tune or something like that. Yeah, it's not a lucrative thing. It's more like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> not it, at this point anyway. It, and, well, the reason I'm, I'm asking too is just because I know people have uh, mentioned that to me and like said, you know, have you ever thought of doing stuff for podcasts? And it's like, the the way to think about it is it's the same as uh, selling a painting you've done at the market. You might sell it. You sell the one. Mm -hmm. You're not going to quit your career over it. So it's kind of. Right, a, right. So I just wanted to make that clear. If people were like, well, I'm going to make music for podcasts. Well, the podcasts aren't making money anyway. No, 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 no. <laughs> They're definitely, I mean, you're, com you're competing with there are services online that will just sell a snippet of music. for Yes. Right. You're not going to be able to compete with that unless somebody wants something very specific that you can do right and they can afford to pay you and that is I mean, it's like dealing with bands exactly yeah i mean it, money you know it's it's the whole concept of uh being musician i mean all of the creative outlets we've even had people on here um uh who do background music like if you go to youtube and there's the music that you can get for video that's built into youtube or you know back when they actually had their youtube video editor before they got rid of it um, right. we had the guy from, oh, I'm blanking on the name right now. Shoot. It starts with an I. It's actually a very, it's, it's a very corporate sounding name. And I think he did that specifically if I remember correctly. <laughs> but if you go to YouTube, like his music is all over that place and he writes mm -hmm. specifically for that, but his stuff's also under creative commons. So if people want to pay for it, they can, if they don't want to pay for it, right. they don't have to. And he'll do custom stuff for people who want to pay him for it. And it's, mm -hmm. it's very interesting. And that's what he does. And it's cool. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, you have to write specific things. Otherwise people can go to services like uh free music archive and get stuff, which mm -hmm. is what this whole podcast is about. It's like, you know, there is stuff that you can use, but it's the customization yeah. that's important, you know? Yeah. Well, if somebody wants something 
special, you know, well, I want something that sounds exactly like this and this and this, and they can't find it, then that's a good opportunity. Or, um, you know, if someone's just a friend and they want something, and, uh, since I've done so much of this stuff and I've done so much of my own music, I'll have uh, leftover pieces that I can say, well, if you like this, you can do mm-hmm. that. Uh, things like that, where it's not necessarily a lot of work on my end and it's just sitting there. So, you know, I don't mind if, if somebody wants to use it. They can use, I mean, the whole album's Creative Commons. People can use it if they want to anyway. Right. Yeah. The, my, my favorite, you just touched on something that I recently had a discussion with my drummer about because we'll work on stuff and there'll be songs. One, there'll be a song that you start on that you collaborate on and by the, and I'm sure you're familiar with this. Every musician is by the time you're done, you could literally take that original idea that you recorded and start a brand new song. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing. And there's stuff right. that we have just in the catalogs of stuff we recorded where you go back and listen to it. It's like, Oh my God, I totally forgot about that one. And you could take those and just go, Oh, somebody want to use this as is, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean, a lot of the stuff that I do, well, for my own, for my albums, like my rock albums, mm-hmm. uh, because I do so much of that um, deciding what song to use in the demo process. It's not like those songs necessarily uh, sound good enough for something like that. You know, even though the, maybe mm. the idea would be fine as a, right, you know, as whatever podcast theme or a jingle or something. Uh, I'm not really recording it at full fidelity and at... Um, with uh, paying any attention to the quality of the performances necessarily until I already know yeah. what the songs are. Uh, so I over stuff hanging around. Usually it's like, um, like synthesizer ideas and things like that. Do anything that deals with like actually going out and recording guitars. I'm probably not doing that until uh, I know what I want. You know, I don't have too many extra songs at uh, full fidelity sitting okay. around. Yeah, and and that's that's the other thing too. Still being an artist, you have to go. It, it's easy to go, or it's it's difficult to go. Like, yeah, somebody could use that because I'm not going to. And then you're like, but that sounds horrible. Other people would be like, yeah. that's that's perfect. And you're like, oh, I can't, I can't live knowing that that exists in the world somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The the constant struggle. The and also I wanted to ask, so pokemon podcast you wrote a theme mm-hmm. that he asked you to do now not f- being familiar with this pokemon podcast what mm-hmm. was the music like that you wrote for it was it uh was um, it similar to what you do or did you specifically go out of your comfort zone and write something pokemon like which whatever well, that means um it was uh, he had used a previous theme song it was already an established show by the time i was i did anything for it he had a previous theme song that was um like a remix of a, of a song from the video games, which actually, oh. I don't know if this ever came up with any of the times we've talked, but um, with Mike, the guy who I'm in hex map with yeah. back in college, he and I did a, uh, the Mega Man video ser- game series. We did a series of uh, re-recordings of those songs. Yes. That was project X or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we did those. So um, he had a, a, a theme, not Mike, uh, Steve had a theme that was, I don't know where he got it. It wasn't custom made, I don't think, but it was a re-recording of some uh, song from a Pokemon game. So when he asked me, I looked through some of the songs from the games just to see what was, uh, you know, what might be a good theme. I talked to him about which ones he liked best, and then particularly reworking it so it had a little more energy, like a you know, 
a, like a jingle, like the, the beginning of a, a show. Um, and then had to make an ending for it because the songs are meant to loop. Mm-hmm. You make a beginning, make an ending. Um, you know, go back and forth. He'd say, well, can you add this part? Can you make this a little shorter? And uh, it's, it has, a, I think it has, it's been a long time. I think a couple of years now. I believe it has a little guitar, like in the background, but it's mostly synth based. Um, uh, but I do have a lot of synths in my stuff. Uh, so yeah, there are probably points where it's kind of reminiscent of my, my solo things, but there's no, I mean, there's no vocals and it's, it's much more, uh, based, uh, overall. Okay. All right. Yeah. I was just curious, like, uh, if you went like total eight bit or anything like that. So I was, uh, no, he actually said one of his directives to me was that he didn't want it to sound too video gamey because nice. that's kind of a cliche with the video game. Was So it's more, it's soft sense. Uh, if people don't know what that is, it's like a synth. It's not a, real physical synthesizer it's a you know a simulated synthesizer in your computer software uh but they're not there's a little dash of like 8-bit sounds but it's mostly just like um uh synthesizer-y kind of like synthesizer distortion sort of effects yeah yeah i don't know Uh, i'm not i really i love to play with synthesizers but i'm not really good terminology i don't know how to really describe the sound just like kind of like bass sounds that you can't you wouldn't be able to get those on like a game boy right uh and things like that and there's definitely more channels than you would get um or game boy could only do four channels of sound this i don't know how many tracks i ended up using but yeah dozens i'm sure my problem is is i always get stuck in the searching the sound bank thing and the next thing you know it's like an hour has gone by <laughs> and you've just been hitting a note testing out every single one and you and i always forget to write down the ones i like so then you have to go back and go which one was that that was the better one i think and then you're going through again anyway you know, i have a on uh on the last album the last few albums that i've done i've had a kind of a system for for that really where i yes where I always, um, if anyone's using, um, you know, doing music, I use Reaper is the um, main uh, program that I'm using. Okay. And the plugin that I always use as my default for synths is called Monomate. Hmm. It's a free, free plugin. It's a really good synth. I mean, you can't do every kind of synth sound. It's very bare bones, but it makes a good basic synth sound that I actually end up using for the final sounds for a lot of songs. Oh. That's and I'll cool. start with that because it's always a very reliable, uh, just kind of a basic sound to get across. Um, it's not going to like mess up the pitch or anything. It's just mm-hmm. a very good, reliable sound to just hear the idea that you're writing. And then from there, if I don't end up using that, then I'll, you know, kind of mute the mono maintenance, put in other synths and see how they sound. So you're recording it on MIDI and then you can just replace the part with different sounds. Yeah, I almost always on my solo stuff use uh, MIDI just because I like to be able to tweak it later. Yeah. And I don't want to go anywhere to have to dig out an actual synth and try to figure it out. Uh, I like to basically, if I have an idea for a part, the thing I like about using MIDI is that you can immediately get that melody down mm-hmm. and then you can do the the aggravating switching through the different presets and tweaking later. Yeah, it's not the recording part you need to do. You know right, the part. Because <laughs> if you just came up with the idea and you have a real synthesizer, and I mean, real synthesizers are cool, so uh, I don't have anything against them. 
Right. You have to do all of that selection before you even put the, before you record anything, before you get your idea down. Mm -hmm. And that can be uh, a real time suck Mm -hmm. uh, on your process. And you can kind of get sick of the idea before you even do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're writing stuff. Yeah. If you're writing stuff on your own and I know for me, I will write the thing like 90% of the time I will write the the idea out on a keyboard of some sort, even though I know I'm not going to keep that or I may keep that. I don't know. And then you work on the rest of the song. So you don't know what the sound should be to begin with anyway. It's no, that's a good point. I like, I've only done the record it in MIDI one time. And I do, when you were saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. That was so much easier. <laughs> I like later on, I just ended up making it a grand piano sound and it started out as a th- synth sound. And it's like, how, how stupid easy was that? Cause we recorded all the other parts. Yeah. yeah. The good thing about MIDI is that you can, um, you know, as the song changes, you can, if you like that melody that you have on the MIDI or the, or whatever you have on the MIDI, you can change the, you know, the flavor of the song of the, excuse me, the sound, mm-hmm. the characteristics of the sound, uh, without having to go re-record the whole thing. Uh, I'm making it sound like I'm very lazy. <laughs> no, not at all. Actually, this is very strategic to tell you the truth. Yeah, it, it, it works. I mean, when in, in hex map, which is my, uh, one of my other bands, we do, or we have done more, um, you know, hardware synthesizer stuff because Mike is, better at control like uh, the knobs are all just kind of like knobs to me i don't know what i'm doing when i'm so, messing with them does he do synth on stage or is he do, is he doing um, double duty on, on something stage he's not he wasn't usually doing synth um we've been lucky to have some people who have been very good with synthesizers that they can you know they can get the right sound uh you know dialed in mm-hmm. very quickly between songs um, but when we're recording, he does the synth stuff. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do that, but it is a lot of time sitting around in a, in a practice space kind of going, is this sound good? Does mm-hmm. this sound good? Is this sound good? Um, <laughs> better one, better two. And you know, if you only, if you only have so much time there, then, um, if you spend, you know, if you have two hours and you spend 20 minutes looking for a sound, um, you know, that's 20 minutes you're not going to get back. Whereas you do MIDI. Uh, you can get the part in and then you can go home and you could spend all night looking for your sound if you want to. Yeah. Now, do you normally work on the stuff yourself at home or does everybody take it home with them when you're working on stuff? Um, Well, it depends what it is. If it's for my solo stuff, then yeah, I'm just working alone uh, until such point where I bring people in to do uh, parts like um, like Brian Church we talked about before did a bass and some backup vocals on this album. Yeah. So I would send him demos and, this, and then he'd take them and I wouldn't really hear anything he's coming up with till we go to record the bass or record the backup vocals. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of give him the freedom to come up with whatever he wants. And if I have some kind of problem with it, which I don't even think happened on this album, but you know, there maybe there's a few points where I say, well, could you record it this way mm-hmm. as well? Just to give me options or, you know, I might not use all of the backup vocals that he comes up with but I let him write that stuff on his own mm-hmm. uh, for band things that I do with Mike, where we kind of have equal uh, say on things. We'll get together and we'll make the big decisions together and we'll do all that, but we will take things home and, you know, think about lyrics or, uh, you know, mess with the mixes a little bit. Um, but it, it depends song by song. Okay. 
usually after we've started recording together, we won't make any big decisions without talking or usually being physically in the same room. And are you recording all this stuff yourself or are you going somewhere? Cause I see in the notes that it says it was recorded at MB at champs three. And that means oh, nothing are, to me. Oh my God. All uh, of that rhymed. Uh, <laughs> those are, um, uh, this all that, uh, the teenage which is my new album was yeah. recorded all by myself. Um, the names of the places are basically just code names for different, um, that's what I figured. <laughs> different people's houses um i do it to make the first of all the credits would be be annoying to write like well this was recorded at so-and-so's house and this was recorded at it's more fun to like give them names and also it helps over time because i can look back and say you know from an album from six or seven years ago as long as i keep the names consistent Mm -hmm. i can say oh yeah i forgot we recorded anything there no okay because here's a funny well here's a funny little thing if you actually search google for mb at champs three um it thinks that you're looking for new balance men's (laughs) shoes uh champs shoes so you know we have the new balance uh headquarters here oh do you actually yeah where we record is that's uh, a weird coincidence practice space is really close to it actually funny it's probably a five minute walk and, and uh, another weird uh, internet search that, that I wanted to see if you're aware of. So if you search YouTube for your name, are you aware of Nicholas Burgess mm-hmm. versus Kitty Girl No? Excuse me, you say that again? Sorry, cut out for a second. <laughs> That's okay. There's a video channel on YouTube called Nicholas Burgess versus Kitty Girl No. Oh, no, I'm not aware of that. <laughs> I found some other people with my name who do like uh, cover songs, you know, like they'll play like acoustic cover songs of stuff oh okay you know, whatever <laughs> well this whatever. my stuff's up on youtube well this one is apparently it's a small girl who um just videotapes herself talking it's like her own vlog and she's mm-hmm. i don't know why it's named this but it's yeah it's called nicholas burgess versus kitty girl no and i think she's kitty girl no and nicholas burgess might be her little brother but it's hmm. really bizarre channel. Oh. So if you get a chance, oh. look it up. It's really I weird. Disavow <laughs> any connection to uh, to that YouTube channel. Yes, <laughs> and it's it's just a very odd thing. But it's what popped up when I searched to see if you had any new videos out. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I can't ever. Fig- I don't know. Make uh, videos are cool, and I really love watching videos. But yeah. I never. I never want to put the work in to make a video. That's so funny though, because any every other avenue you mm-hmm. do and you self-produce and you make like your photography you got the puppets the pins the stickers the albums all that stuff but videos are something you've never really done and i find that well, interesting I, do. I actually started uh started uh college i went i started in the film department okay and i used to be really into it but um part of what got me out was uh this is sad, but part of what got me out was the amount of work that it takes to get, you know, <laughs> per minute, basically. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, my music doesn't like the greatest sounding music ever, but I feel like I can, I have at least the skill set to make it sound um, like music. You know what I mean? Whereas if I took a video camera out to start filming people and editing, you know, I, I don't know if I could actually make it look like a video that anybody would want to watch. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So. Manipulating video is an entirely different animal. I'll agree. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I would love for someone else to do it for free for me. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> I think anyone will. Yeah. I don't think that's happening. Right. <laughs> so have you been playing out with the, with the solo album at all yet? Or do you plan to? I haven't been because I don't know right now. My, um, the band that I had been playing out in the previous solo album with, I guess they're all still around. We just aren't practiced right now. So I kind of have to figure that out. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been. I mean, I put it out in mid-December, which is kind of right. do things like that. Like you don't want to have your record release show be, you know, Christmas Eve. So yeah. I haven't at this point. I'd like to, but uh, if I do, it's going to mean um, even if I get the same people who played the previous album, relearning everything mm-hmm. because it's been years how large of a lineup is that that you have um the solo album band that i had was just four people it was uh me and um mike from hexmap was playing drums um mm-hmm. the last time actually then we had uh scott craggs who mastered the album was playing drums last time we were practicing i don't think we ever got to actually play a show with him Ryan Severson was a guy who was playing bass for us. He, uh, I don't think he plays on this album at all. Okay. And Justin Smith, who played some guitar on this album, was playing lead guitar. All right. Yeah, it was just four. Okay. Nice. It's because in listening to it, I know that there's there's a lot of layers on it, but I was curious as to what was what you needed to be able to pull it off live because I know there's. There's the whole, you know, going through the process of does it need to sound exactly like the album or what do we need to make it sound just like the songs? So they stand on their own right. at least live. Yeah. Because it's real easy yeah, to do it did. in the studio. Yeah, we, we did. I tried to make this album sound a little. I mean, I don't think it does. Just, I don't know if I succeeded. <laughs> I tried to make it sound a little bit more like a band than the previous album did. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way we did it last time when we were playing was... Uh, I don't think we had any synth. Um, I think we translated any synth parts hmm. to guitar that we had to. And we just kind of picked the most important parts um, and tried to make everything work for a four piece. There was no um, trying to make everything sound like the album. We okay. just, you know, tried to, we treated it like we were a four piece band doing, you know, covers the best we could of, of these songs. We weren't trying to replicate them exactly. Yeah. five synth players on stage to do that that wouldn't be feasible yeah okay and what's the uh so there's there's a muppet or a puppet yeah. <laughs> that you're using in it so what's the what's the story behind that anything um, or it's just something you had and you're like i'm gonna put that in the photo well a lot of times when i'm doing uh music for myself i'll have ideas for how i want the album to look um way in advance like, mm-hmm. you know before i'm even as i'm writing demos i kind of know what i want it to look like like i know what color scheme i might want or what kind of imagery i want and that was an image that i had that i wanted to do uh, years ago um to the point where it's kind of hard to explain like hmm. justify to myself well like why do i want it to look like this i just knew that's what i wanted uh, so at a certain point i had to figure out how i was going to pull it off um and you know, something I, the the muppety looking thing on the cover yeah 
uh, is something I built. It's not actually a puppet. It looks like a puppet. Everybody who sees it says it's a puppet, but it's not really a puppet. It's only like only that angle on it possibly works. It's like styrofoam inside. Oh, okay. It doesn't really move. Um, it's like a styrofoam ball cut up, covered with fur. Uh, the body that's on, I'm ruining the magic here, but the body that you can <laughs> see on the cover is just it's the furry fabric kind of draped down. Like it's not actually supporting the head. All right. Uh, so it only really works from that one angle. The eyes don't really have pupils in them. I had added those digitally so I could, you know, control which way it was looking. Hmm. Um, things like that. So, but it does look like a puppet. Uh, um, uh, I don't know how deep you want me to get into imagery, but <laughs> it's, it's really up to you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it was basically, it was just a, a visual that I wanted. Um, and I tried to figure out the best way that I could pull it off. Um, in my day job, I do, uh, a lot of photo retouching. Okay. And graphic design stuff. So I knew if I could get the physical prop to a certain point, I could augment it afterward digitally. Oh, um, not sure what to do with it now, actually. I still have that, like, giant right. monster head, like, in a suitcase right now. And it kind of feels bad to, like, throw it away. But you, I just, what can I possibly do with it? Exactly. Yeah. Well, you can put it on the hood of your car. Yeah. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> if I start playing shows again, maybe I could possibly use it as a stage prop. True. Otherwise, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and at wizard hats and... Oh, too. I don't know what to do. Oh, with right. That. Yeah, that's like two albums ago. The Wizard thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last album on King of Another Dimension was just all uh, digitally drawn. So, right. Luckily, I don't have a bunch of props from that taking up space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and whatever happened with uh, the first, I think it was the first time we talked with you, you were creating some sort of monster uh, head out of a motorcycle helmet. That was just a um, Halloween costume, I believe. If that's what I'm thinking of, I think I think that might have been. I was because I'm basically just trying to remember back. I just remember while we were talking to you that we kept hearing the rip of duct tape as you were trying to put that That together. Yeah, that was a Halloween costume. I did. It was a Ghost Rider Halloween costume. Um, But I've actually, I'm positive. I still have that skull somewhere. Um, I think I used it in some. like promotional photos. Oh. Uh, but I don't know if they're still online. They might be. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, there's just the skull. I didn't use that whole costume, but uh, yeah, that was a that was a skull mask. It was very tight. I don't even know if I could put it on my head anymore. It was extremely tight. <laughs> Your head is, you've gotten so much taller since then that it no longer fits. Well, You're still a growing boy. If I gained like <laughs> one ounce of of weight on my face. I think that would not fit anymore. Okay. All right. I've definitely gained an ounce of weight on my face. Okay. And I know in the past when we've talked to you, you've had, um, uh, diverse distribution plans that you've, that you've enabled. Mm. Uh, Do you have any for like, how are you distributing this album? Are you doing physical sales? Um, Um, anything like that? I'm doing some, I'm doing some physical sale. I don't have anything too, um, creative this time. Okay. Uh, most of the sales so far, well, that I know of, have been through Bandcamp, although that's possibly also because any sales I get through, like, iTunes or whatever, I don't see that for months. Like, I don't know. Right. Uh, Bandcamp, I find out, you know, instantly. Yeah, I think iTunes, it's like a four-month delay or something yeah. like that. Yeah, there are digital platforms I don't know for months. 
Um, and I have um, CDs of it, which I sell through also through Bandcamp. Um, but I don't have any, you know, gimmicky distribution plans. For well, they those. weren't necessarily gimmicky. They were creative. I remember you were there was a record store right. or a oh, record where? chain that you were you were talking to or that you were friends with or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I did on the last couple of albums. I um, what did I do? Uh, at least on Wizard Planet, I it was Bull Moose. That was that was it. New that was England. the one. It's a New England record chain that I. I think I they were giving away a couple hundred copies of it or something like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that this time, right? Because the album um, came out in mid December, right? And I didn't. There was I wasn't gonna try. I was kind of planning on doing a little promotional push then and then waiting a few months and doing another one okay uh which is still the plan um but i don't know if i'm gonna do anything like that this time okay um i have been bringing cds to i'm doing some art shows selling um paintings and pins and stuff like that and i bring i bring cds to those many because people don't come to those things to buy music but um so yeah. you've been showing your own art, but bringing CDs and stuff with you. Shows I sell them. Well, I sell them. I sell the CDs on Etsy as well as Bandcamp. Hmm. Uh, I have an Etsy store where I sell uh, artwork and such related things. I do a lot of uh, pins, different designs that I make, and uh, zines and stuff like that. So I'll do shows where I'm selling those things in person. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll have a I'll have a, a stack of CDs in case anybody's interested, and uh, you know, a little like listening thing in case they want to put on headphones and see what it sounds like. Oh, really? That's actually kind of yeah. cool. Um, I mean, honestly, if you're selling at uh, places like that, you're mostly it's mostly people who want to buy pins and want to buy little prints or like little drawings. So. Yeah. Most people don't come to buy music. Most people really aren't interested in music. <laughs> right. But when you find somebody who is, it's, it is good to have those on hand. That's true. And I, it is interesting. I didn't realize the resurgence of pins recently and like enamel pins. Like those have been popping up all yeah. over the place lately. I, have, I haven't made them yet. I'm kind of interested in making some. Uh, I've just been doing like the one inch round, you know, the classic little. Right. Um. Because it's a it's kind of an affordable way to test different designs. And I would like to drive some enamel pins. The thing with those is you have to order, uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but let's say you have to order 100 or 200 at a time of a single design. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the one-inch pins, I'm usually getting um, in any one order that I put through. Okay. Just to see. You know, I'll sell packs of 10 assorted buttons or 10 assorted pins. And that's just something you can't do with the enamel ones unless you want to put in thousands of dollars. Yeah. And sorry, I'm, I'm, I just, so I pulled up your Etsy page I'm looking at it and actually there's, <laughs> there's something I want to ask you about. And that's because yep. it's something I've noticed around here too. What's the deal with butts lately? Um, people drawing know, but those butts. Are my, <laughs> those are my best selling products now. No, we have an artist in here. She actually does artwork for, um, one of our local, uh, like indie, not newspapers cause it's online, but you know, like indie mm-hmm. publications and her side job is just dr- doing, she does butt portraits. Like people go 
and turn around and she'll do a she'll do a thing like you know it's like characters only for your butt and they're like wildly popular and like other and there's another person in town here that does embroidery of butts so you can get it on your jacket and i don't know what the uh well i mean i don't know what the resurgence necessarily is right and that's what i'm asking like what what's the what am i missing like i get the popularity of it but it's like what brought it on you know like what's well what brought it on for me was well to explain to the listener is i have a a set of pins on my etsy store that's um just different butts i think it's 12 of them right and they're cartoony butts they're not like actual butts Like cartoony watercolor drawings in their own pins, and you get 12 in a pack, and I sell them for 10 bucks. Um, what brought that on was that I had been selling, there's another item on that store that's just, they're called Groovy Nudes, and they're just mm-hmm. like a similar looking kind of nude. It's like ink and uh, like a pen and ink drawing that's colored with, um, you know, bright colors. Um, not necessarily realistic colors, but maybe it's like a blue person on a yellow background or a purple person, and you get an assorted bunch of those in a pack and i've been selling a lot of those when i was doing these shows so i was trying to think of similar ideas that i could do and really it was just because i could call them buttons like with capitalized. <laughs> okay that was mainly the mainly the inspiration all right so i did them and they are actually by far my best seller at this point huh interesting people just like uh those butt pins i don't know hmm Okay. Yeah, I was, I was, I was hoping to shed some light on it. While your story makes perfect sense, it doesn't necessarily apply to the popularity in my own town here. But well, I don't know. I mean, the, the my story, the the origin of them doesn't really uh, have anything to do with it. But the they're very popular. Yeah, compared to some other things I've done. So all right, there's, there's well, something there. I'm about to try to start selling uh, boob pins, which will be the same idea. Okay, with boobs. So. That'll be the test. We'll see. All right. Are you gonna do? Are you gonna do? Uh, are you gonna do Bob ones like uh, from Fight Club? <laughs> so you got to do I'm the male a, versions. No, the boob ones have one. They have one one dude in them. I think it's twelve or thirteen designs. But there's one one uh, set of man boobs in there. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't have those out yet, but that'll be that'll be a test. I love that. This is where this conversation has gone. Um, and <laughs> the, uh, so on, on top of this with you doing that, and I feel like maybe we covered this, but you never know. Um, is there anything else or any other projects that you've been working on that you'd like to mention or tell us about that we didn't cover today? Um, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of anything we've mentioned, uh, other than that, I'm kind of in between things. I'm about to start trying to work on music for a fourth album, a fourth solo album. Hmm. Uh, the a third Hexmath album is underway. I was wondering about that. And we have a bunch of songs. It's been a long time since the last one came out. We have a bunch of songs that are almost done. Um, but it's been going slowly because we've been, uh, like you asked about before, we've been doing every, almost every little thing we've been doing when we get together. Mm-hmm. Um we can only get together for a few hours a week right now. How come? So it's slow. Um, well, Mike had switched to a different job where he was doing a lot of traveling. Mm. And um, he's switched out of that now. So we've actually been a little more consistent lately. Oh, cool. But uh, it was just a little, I mean, it's not just that, but it was just a little harder to get together for uh, 
you know, enough time. Whereas old days we were getting. So uh, on top of that, on some of our earlier albums, I was bringing in songs almost done. Mm-hmm. Whereas on this time, we're kind of writing everything together, hmm. you know, down to the bass line or each individual riff or where, where each drum part changes, which takes a lot of time. Yeah. And plus being a little pickier, you know, maybe we work for weeks on something and then decide we don't like it anymore. The process basically is slow. Yeah. Uh, but we are making progress on it and we hope it'd be out this year. Probably will be. Okay. So know. December 29th is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And I'm working on stuff for my, uh, well, I'm going to try to start working on stuff for my own uh, next solo album. And I've been working on more of that podcast stuff and mm-hmm. all of that. But um, I'll probably do another album for Brian Church pretty soon as well. You know, there's nothing like imminent happening. Right. Okay. All right. Cool. Actually, that's that's all some good information. So I think that's that answers that question. <laughs> all right. And then uh, I wanted to close the show out today with the song off the new album, You Should Leave Your Husband For Me. I kind of dug oh, that one. Right. So I wanted to play that. You want to oh, tell us you. a little bit about it? Um, I think that was one of the earlier songs that I demoed for this. Of, I don't even know, maybe 2014 or something. Okay. Um, and I, I believe at the time my demo process was, I was trying to do maybe two songs a day. And two songs that, a day, you said? Yeah, I wasn't doing it every day, but let's say I sit down twice a week or something. And for each session, I'd want to get maybe two demos. Okay. And, um, Usually when I'm doing that kind of process, the uh, rule I give myself is that I can do one of those two can be based on a previous idea that I've come in with, but the second one will have to be something I just come up with on the spot. Hmm. And I don't use most of these songs, but um, I believe this one was written mainly off of the idea of the song, which was that I just hadn't heard. How could I put this? I don't think I've heard a pop song with the angle of um, telling someone they should actually get a divorce to be with you before. Um, it just seemed like a novel thing because you can hear a lot of songs like, about you should do this by the board <laughs> for this to <laughs> well, be successful. We should that, do nothing like, nefarious. Most, there are songs that like, Oh, well like your, your boyfriend sucks or, uh, or, you know, I like you very much or yeah. Things like the specific angle of, I like you, your husband uh, is worse than me or bad, and uh, you should leave him to be with me. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like kind of a, even though the album's called Teenagist, really a lot of the songs are more about like being an adult. Yeah. And it seemed like kind of an adult spin on like a leave your boyfriend type song. Yeah. Because it's specifically referencing in the title and then the hook that they're married it references kids. Right. I was going to say that part. That part's, that was a nice touch, I thought. <laughs> uh, and one thing I do want to say about the song is that I, oh, it's not based on my life, so uh, please don't read that into it. But also, the the singer of the song, not me, the physical singer, but like the, the character who's singing the song, uh-huh. uh, don't necessarily assume that they are, um, you know, 
like the great guy, like the perfect guy, either a correct or like this right. relationship would be great. I think it's kind of an unreliable narrator situation where, you know, maybe she would not be better off um, leaving the husband. Maybe she would. I don't. I don't think that's going to elude anybody. I. Th- I. I think that's pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. You never that's know how true. stuff's going to be taken. They do have to say, you know, this is on like you know toxic things. They have to put a label on it that says "do not ingest." So you, there are some people right. in the world that need stuff this like is that. Like the, the Tide Pod of. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, you probably people may have felt this way before, but um, you know, if you're feeling this way right now, the. Don't use this song necessarily as a justification. Yes. Okay. So people should not religiously do everything you say. <laughs> right. Note taken. All right. Um, All right. So we're going to close out with that song. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show again. It's always great talking with you. Well, thank you. And uh, this has been another Music Manumet podcast at musicmanumet.com. You should leave your husband for me. You don't need him or your children. Why you even thought you loved him? You forget why you wanted to be his person says so why not be free with me? You don't have to behave, you should leave your husband for me. You don't need him or your children. That you even thought you loved him